Welcome to Freedom Through Self-Care. I'm Jen Arnimo, your host for this podcast today. And today is episode number five. And I'll be talking today about uh, understanding the science of pain. Uh, last week we talked about the green, right, the green light reflex uh, and how tension patterns in the back line of our body can contribute um, to chronic muscle tension and pain. And so this week I'm going to get into the opposite of that reflex, and that's our frontline muscle tension, uh, what Thomas Hanna would call red light reflex. But first I would just want to get into a little bit more um, the science piece so that we can understand um, understand how pain actually how we perceive pain in our bodies, in our physical bodies this week. And then I'll get a little bit more into how that relates to our mental and emotional bodies next episode. So starting with the science of physical pain. Why do we even feel pain in the first place? And we really need this perception of pain in order to survive as an organism. Uh, We have this highly developed nervous system with sensors for temperature and pressure um, that are designed to take in sensory output from our external environment to monitor our environment for threat uh, to protect to protect the continuation of us as a species uh, for our survival and pain is the nervous system's way of telling you that something is wrong or that something uh, that damage is likely to occur so we need We need the nervous system, we need this perception of pain. Um, There's three different types of pain perception. Uh, One is nociceptive, and then two others are neuroplastic and neuropathic. Um, Nociceptive is what I want to focus on today, is um, anything that we come into contact with and how that signal is relayed to our brains as the sensation of nociceptive pain. Um, Neuroplastic is um, when we have chronic long-term inflammation and then the nervous system adapts to adjust to that chronic inflammation. Neuropathic is when we're actually having structural damage to nerves um, so that the nerves end up sending wrong signals to other parts of the nervous system. But for today, I just want to focus on um, how we perceive pain in our physical bodies. And our nervous system is designed to monitor and control all of the human functions from breathing, digestion, movement, um, our thoughts, and then this threat response um, and the stress response. They're all governed by the nervous system. And our nervous system is made up of two pieces. So we have our central nervous system, which includes our brain, the brain stem, and the spinal cord. Spinal cord is surrounded by the uh, spinal fluid. Um, it's not the environment in the spinal cord is not very conducive to regeneration. So it is the more fragile piece of our nervous system. And then coming out from the spinal cord are all of our peripheral nerves. So they're coming from the cord out to all of our extremities, into our organs. Um, At the ends of these nerve endings are different kinds of receptors, like I said, for temperature change, uh, for pressure. These are what are relaying the signals from their external world up through those peripheral nerves um, and then into the spinal cord and back up to the brain. Um, The unique thing about reflexes is when we're talking about green light 
and red light reflexes, and then we'll get into trauma in future episodes, is that um, there are two different kinds of nerves in this peripheral nervous system. And the difference is, is one is um, one kind of nerve, and we call them myelinated nerves. They are actually um, have a thicker coating. So if you're thinking like an electrician, they're more insulated nerves. And so they travel, signals travel faster through those myelinated nerves. And then we have non-myelinated nerves, and the signal transfer is a little bit of a slower process. When we're talking about reflexes and learned motor patterns, um, and our fight or flight response, all these things um, that become reflexive as the brain moves them from a learned motor activity in the prefrontal cortex down to the subcortex where it's more of an unconscious response. Um, these reflexes are happening between our extremities and our spinal cord. Um, if you put your hand over a flame, you don't have to consciously think about, oh, that's hot, I need to pull my hand away. Your reflexes will automatically withdraw your hand because your temperature sensor sensors in your fingers at the ends of your nerves in your fingertips are relaying that in that message through myelinated nerves right to your spinal cord which um, results in a faster response you don't actually have to consciously think about that so it is a great response for us when you think about survival and uh, being able to respond quickly to threat uh, to prevent injury but the problem is when we, um, when we, our brains become so good at becoming efficient and um, putting all these behave, all these motor patterns, postures, our movement habits, um, they become unconscious so that the body can conserve energy. But this is where we get into problems with chronic muscle pain because the brain has put that motor pattern, say it's sitting at your desk all day or or driving for 12 hours a day, or um, even standing on concrete floors for 12 hours a day. All the muscle contractions, the muscle movement patterns that are involved in those repetitive movements have been put to the subcortex of the brain to save energy and, and to be efficient. But when we are holding these long-term patterns, we forget that we can relax those muscles. And long-term um, chronic contraction of muscles is what causes uh, physical pain, physical chronic pain. The second piece to this peripheral nervous system, so you have your central nervous system, brainstem, spinal cord, brain. The peripheral is all the nerves coming from the spinal cord out to the extremities. Um, these nerve endings can much more readily, easily regenerate. And then the peripheral nervous system is broken down into two separate parts as well. So we have the aspect of our somatic or voluntary, the sensory motor nervous system, the, the voluntary actions that we, um, signals that we're giving our body for movement, um, our conscious choices to run or walk or sit or stand. Um, those are all controlled by that somatic or voluntary sensory motor system. And then on the other side of the peripheral nervous system, we have our autonomic or involuntary um, nervous system. Things like um, the sympathetic nervous system that controls fight, flight, or freeze. The parasympathetic nervous system, which controls uh, rest, ability to relax, sleep, to reproduce, to digest, and our immune response to heal our bodies.
also falls under there is our enteric nervous system, which um, controls the functions of our GI tract. So we have these two separate pieces of the peripheral nervous system, um, messages that are being relayed from the external world up through our extremities, through our organs, back to the spinal cord and up to the brain, so that the brain can assess all of these, all this input, and then relay, relay a response or an action back from the information that it's receiving. So let's talk about why muscles hurt in the first place. Why do tight muscles hurt? Um, I talked a little bit last week about what's happening uh, in muscle contraction. Um, when the muscle is contracting and releasing, it is requiring energy to do so. So the muscles themselves, the muscle fibers, hold a little bit of energy in them in the form of ATP. But when the muscle is contracting and relaxing and, and involved in movement, um, that energy source gets burned through pretty quickly, and then the it calls on the body for more energy resources. So the liver starts changing um, glucose into this ATP to feed the muscles. It's mixed with oxygen. Um, this is how we get anaerobic, or sorry, aerobic metab metabolism. Our bodies are producing this energy for our muscles. Uh, when we're doing really strenuous activity and there's not enough oxygen being supplied, um, the cells are forced to create energy through a less efficient system without oxygen. We're, we're not taking in enough oxygen to supply this uh, ATP process efficiently. Um, so this is when you get lactic acid, and I talked about that last week. Um, and lactic acid usually isn't a problem if we're moving our bodies and using the energy um, to a degree that the body can flush the lactic acid out. But if you've ever done weight training or you know, you've run a marathon and you've really pushed your body to its limits, um, you may experience that muscle soreness you know, a day or two later. And we call this uh, DOMS or delayed onset muscle soreness. It's a signal from the body to maybe take it a little bit easier that you've exhausted your glucose stores, um, your energy stores, and that the muscles need some time to flush the lactic acid out of the body. So that explains why muscles hurt, you know, from doing activity day to day and then you take a break and you should recover from that. When we're looking at chronic pain and muscles that are held in chronic content or contraction, meaning they never get to fully relax, and this is what we're talking about in these reflex patterns, these somatic reflex patterns, long-term, long-held muscle contraction that has gone unconscious either from our day-to-day -day repetitive activities, the nature of movement required by our jobs. And what's happening in this instance is that lactic acid is being created. Even when you're sleeping, those muscles are being held in contraction, and a muscle in contraction is constantly requiring energy from the body, um, even at a small percentage. So when you think of people in chronic pain, muscles in chronic pain, they're being held in a chronic tension somewhere in the range of you know 20 to 40 percent all the time so can account for um, long-term chronic fatigue you think that those there's some muscles especially in that green light pattern I talked about last week in the glutes uh, the backline muscles those are some really big powerful muscles and when those glutes are staying 40 percent engaged 24 hours a day you can think of the energy demands that that is 
requiring from the body and how much lactic acid is being continually produced and not only just produced but that really impedes the body's ability to flush that lactic acid out and at a certain point when this has become a decade-long motor pattern or postural habit um, the body just can't keep up and all that lactic acid gets held um, on the ends of the nerves and perce is perceived as chronic long-term pain. And so when we're talking about this uh, musculoskeletal pain being the problem, this long-term chronic uh, contraction, when the muscle is um, being damaged or is being contracted, it is um, telling the body, telling the immune system to respond with inflammation. And acute inflammation, which is short-term involved in the, at the time of the injury or the, the response, is a good thing. Acute inflammation is designed to um, flush old dead cells out of the body, to um, get rid of pathogens if it's an external threat response in that regard. Um, the body's immune system beautifully works to flush out um, cells that need to be regenerated, um, anything that is attacking the body's cells. The problem is when we encounter chronic inflammation, um, Acute inflammation will stop as soon as the threat is gone or the cells are dealt with or the pathogen is dealt with. But when the body, when it's, we're talking about muscles that are long-term held in contraction, uh, the body is, is um, continually creating um, a response to this perceived energy of the long-term, long-held chronic tension in the muscles. So an example of um, chronic inflammation that resulting from a habitual movement pattern, take a runner for example, um, a lot of long-term um, impact on the knees and the joint tissues are uh, being broken down by physical wear and tear and then the immune system response is to attack those damaged cells um, causing long-term inflammation in the joints and those the inflammation and pain and structural damage um, is caused by this habitual way the runner is using their body. And this inflammation will continue as long as the source of the problem, that habitual movement pattern, is present. So when we think about any activity that we're doing repetitively and we're not uh, being conscious of, which our bodies are designed to be efficient and to make things, take them out of our conscious level of experience so that we're not exhausted from thinking about um, doing these functions day to day. Or you think of um, someone like a correctional officer, for example, who is holding that backline tension tight all day, the glutes are tight, the hamstrings are tight, muscles behind the shoulders, um, creating all this lactic acid. Um, the response of the body's immune system to that long-term contraction um, with this motor pattern is uh, constricting or lack of blood flow. That can lead to cell death. Tight muscles restrict movement, uh, can limit the ability to get into those fight-or-flight responses. Um, and tight muscles and the dysfunctional movement patterns that go along with them 
also um, or often lead to structural damages to the muscles themselves, to the connective tissues, to joints and bones. When you think about a muscle being held really tight, it can even pull the structure of the skeletal system out of alignment because those muscles are so tight. And this is why people will go to the chiropractor to get realignment. But if you're not addressing the chronic muscle tension, those tight muscles, once they return, like because this motor pattern or this repetitive um, activity that you're doing day to day doesn't stop, that muscle tension doesn't stop. Um, so considering all the potential damage that tight muscles can do in the body, when we're talking about long-term chronic muscle tension, the body wants us to pay attention. So numbing out from the pain, whether it's um, you know doing temporary methods of relieving that muscle, it, it's, they're going to return if the pattern doesn't change and if the muscle tension doesn't get released. It's just our nervous system's uh, call to action that we need to release those tight muscles. We need to listen to this pain, not just numb it out. So the tendency or the, 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 the natural tendency without knowing any better is to get rid of the pain, to numb out the pain. But what we want to do with soma yoga or yoga therapy or somatic re-education is get to the root cause of why the muscles are tight in the first place. And that comes back to this um, re-educating the sensory motor loop. And the sensory motor loop falls under the peripheral nervous system. And the beauty of the somatic or the voluntary sensory motor system is that it can unlearn patterns that are hurting it and it can relearn new patterns. And it can also take those uh, postural habits or those motor patterns, it can take them from the subcortex where they're unconscious and bring them back to the prefrontal cortex as a new learned pattern. Our brains are so amazing that we have this function that we can be so conscious of our minds and our bodies. And so education is the key to maintaining pain-free mobil uh, mobility, stability, and strength in our bodies. But that old adage is true. If you don't use it, you're going to lose it. You have to maintain um, conscious awareness in your physical body, in your mental body, we'll get into that next week, to maintain freedom in it. You have to stay connected to it. So this is another part of that learning your internal landscape. And can you give yourself space for self-care? Can you give yourself space to connect inward? Um, and if mental health isn't on your realm right now, you're concerned about the physical body, then this is for you too. But either way, it comes from connection inward. If you want to re-educate your sensory motor system, um, re-educate and bring awareness to what the patterns are that are putting you in pain in the first place, it is an inward journey. And that's where uh, somatic education and soma yoga come in. And so this brings me to the red light reflex, this other pattern, this opposite pattern on the front line of the body. So the red light reflex is muscles um, in the face, um, the neck, the pe pectoral muscles. So we think of our face muscles, things that cause wrinkles, our jaws, uh, TMJ, you've heard of that, chronic jaw pain, uh, can cause uh, humpback, slumping shoulders, uh, collapsed chest from pectoral muscles being tight, abdominal muscles, rib cage, which can restrict uh, free breathing, uh, pelvic floor, 
contraction, which can result in incontinence, impotence, constipation, um, tight adductors on our inner thighs, which cause tension on the knee joint, and it can the pattern continues down the front line of the body. All of these chronic muscle tension patterns that show up in the front line of the body are um, lumped under the heading of red light reflex. Uh, from an evolutionary perspective, or talking about that sympathetic nervous system, this is our um, our flight response. So last week I talked about the green light, our action response, that would be the fight response, propelling ourselves into, into action, forward into the threat. This red light reflex is the opposite of that, the startle response or withdrawal response. When you think of if you're walking down the street and you heard a car backfire behind you, the tendency would be to draw forward to protect the visceral organs, shoulders come forward, um, the blood is withdrawn to all the internal organs to prepare for injury or impact. It's the body's natural response um, to a threat. And depending on our, on our training, on our conditioning, on our life response, childhood histories, conditioning, all those things will determine whether we go into fight or flight. And this could change, um, this could change incident to incident. You just, um, you don't have conscious control because it falls under the autonomic or involuntary section of our nervous system. Um, sometimes you don't have control or you don't know what your body's response is going to be. Um, if you're in first, if you're a first responder or you're um, in a environment where your threat level is high, um, or you've done a lot of training, you are, you've conditioned your nervous system um, against its natural instincts of fight or flight. Uh, when I think of us as uh, correctional officers, there is the trained response to go into the alarm. Same firefighters, um, police. You, you hear that alarm, you, you see the fire, you see the injury, um, everybody is running away from the burning building and you are running in. You have overridden uh, your body's natural response um, to flee. Um, so that has a whole other bunch of um, conditions that goes along with it as well as far as our emotional and our mental responses to that. And I'll get, a, get into that a little bit more next week. So whether your nervous system chooses startle ref reflex or withdrawal respect or sorry startle or withdrawal or fight or flight um, whichever one it chooses uh, it's meant to preserve the survival of the organism which short-term acute response is beautiful the problem with either one of these reflexes is when it is it doesn't have an ability to shut off so this fight or flight uh, resides in our sympathetic nervous system. It is the body's threat response system controlled by the limbic part of the brain. I'll get into the chemistry of that next week. Um, it is our body's natural response to threat. But what's the problem is when this sympathetic nervous system is activated constantly or um, so like repetitive stressful shifts um, just like muscle contraction that goes unconscious, the nervous system, the threat response can go unconscious too. And we can have this hypervigilance, um, this the flight, fight or flight response that stays on. 
which also results in the, in the muscle patterns that go along with that um, nervous system response. So when we're constantly uh, being triggered into flight or constantly being triggered into fight, those muscles stay tight. It is our nervous system's response to stress. It is a protective response to threat. Uh, so whether that's worry and anxiety, to fear and anger, or overt actual physical threat, our nervous system is going to respond the same way to all of those different threats. So the problem is when we're not being able to shut off that sympathetic nervous system. We need a daily ability, a daily toolbox, our skill set to be able to switch from the sympathetic nervous system, that fight, flight, or freeze, into our parasympathetic nervous system, that the system that allows us to relax, uh, digest, even controls our reproductive function, um, and our immune response of healing ourselves. So we need to create time and space for self-care. We need a daily reset to come back to balance, for our nervous system to switch back, to come to a place where we can actually recharge our batteries and be able to come back fully um, and be prepared for more responses, more um, fight, flight, or freeze responses. So this is the beauty of somatic re-education, of soma yoga, yoga therapy, is creating this intentional space to work inward Internal journey, work with the muscular system of your body. Start bringing awareness to where you're holding these reflex patterns. Uh, being mindful or aware of that what your repetitive activities are day to day um, over the decades of your adult life. Um, how they're contributing to these tight muscle patterns, to these postural habits, these motor patterns. And then, once becoming aware of it, incorporating tools that will release those patterns. And somatic yoga, uh, somatic education is geared towards taking those motor patterns from the subcortex, making them conscious, relearning them, mindfully making the brain focus on that movement, bringing it up to the prefrontal cortex and releasing the muscle tension. So what this looks like in a yoga class is slow and controlled conscious contraction of a tight muscle and even more important than that is the slow and controlled release of that muscle so you're really making the brain focus on that movement so if you were if you've ever done any kind of um, weight training um, we you can you know a difference in your body if you're watching somebody um, lift a weight that's too heavy for them so say you, you see someone new to weightlifting and they've got, you know, a 40 or 50 pound dumbbell and they're doing um, bicep curls and you can tell that that, that muscle, or sorry, that uh, weight is too heavy for them and they're throwing it around. So there's really no consciousness to the muscle. Um, they're kind of cheating because they're incorporating a lot more muscles. They're probably engaging their core. They're probably engaging some of those backline muscles to horse that that uh, dumbbell into bicep curl so they're not just using their bicep whereas if you've been training for a while or you've done um, some different training methods where you're you use a weight that you can comfortably control into the contraction of bicep curl as well as doing 
um, the eccentric contraction are releasing that uh, bicep out of curl slow and controlled so that you're getting uh, controlled movement both coming into contraction and out of the release of the contraction. So somatic re-education is very similar um, methodology except for we're not using weights. We're using um, the body's range of movement so we're not stretching, we're not forcing the muscles beyond where they're ready to go. We're taking a tight muscle and coming into the contraction and then consciously releasing out of it. And so that is what we're looking at as far as um, starting to bring more awareness to how we're holding our bodies, um, how we're holding the muscles tight in the body, what activities are contributing to that, and then learning the tools to release out of that long-term, uh, long-held contraction. So what I want to bring this into is next week's episode, getting into the chemistry and the emotions of pain. So not only do we have this physical perception of pain in our bodies because of whether it's injury or, um, or this long-term muscle contraction because of our repetitive day-to-day -day patterns, um, these repetitive day-to-day -day patterns and this long-term tension translates into long-term chronic pain. And this isn't, all, isn't just uh, affecting our physical body. It's actually changing parts of the brain, uh, changing parts of the brain involved in emotions, in mood, memory, uh, behavior, and decision-making. So when I get into next week, kind of the chemistry of what hormones are being produced as our bodies are perceiving pain, um, and then our hormones are really just the chemistry of our emotions, and how over time, if we're not addressing these issues of chronic pain, pain in our physical body, that this can translate into, um, into mental pain, into our mental health. And so being proactive, um, creating time and space, creating a self-care routine so that you can start addressing the physical before it starts translating into uh, mental challenges for you, emotional challenges. And if you are in long-term chronic pain, I don't have to explain this to you. You, un you know firsthand how being in pain all the time affects your ability to enjoy life, to make um, conscious decisions. Um, your mood, health is affected. Your ability to do your job is affected, to be a good partner, a parent, a person. Um, so we want to really think about self-care as this somatic perspective, this view of you as a whole person that takes into account all the different layers of yourself, your physical body, um, your energetic body, your mental body, and that, that breath layer that is our tool to weave uh, freedom in between both. And can we create proactive um, intentional time and space to connect to this inner landscape of our lives. Uh, for most of us, if we had a conversation uh, with each other, we could easily describe what's going on in our external world with our kids, with our partners, with our jobs, um, but less percentage of us would be able to easily articulate what's going on in our internal landscape, how our breath feels day to day, why certain muscles are sore, how to get out of that muscle soreness. So we need to create this container, 
this self-care container to go inward and start learning about that internal landscape. Why are our bodies sore? Why are those muscles tight? What is it I'm doing in my day-to-day uh, -day activity that might be contributing to this? And how can I relearn? How can I unlearn those unhealthy um, patterns or ways of doing things? And how can I learn the new ones that will bring me freedom in my physical body? So that is it for this week's episode. I'm really excited to get into the chemistry of emotions and pain next week. We'll talk about the limbic system um, and how we'll talk about the, the, the fight or flight of the sympathetic and how that's tied to the emotional hormonal response in the body uh, and how that is perceived as pain as well. So I hope you are enjoying these episodes. I'm really excited to keep sharing. Um, I hope you have a really great week. And if you have any questions, uh, feel free to reach out. Take care and have a good day.